Now for the show that's truly too hot to handle. It's the melting pack, and it starts right now. Well, thank you, Jerome. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the show, The Melting Path, the Next Level Network. How are you? Hope you're doing well. I am doing as well as I could, all things considered. We'll get to that in a second. The music you're hearing right now, probably, I don't know if it's over yet, is uh, it's an original piece by me, Tim Donnelly, and Dr. Matt Cooner. The intro, a uh, little intro bit was done, was made by Jarrett Brown. Thank you very much. Good sirs. Um, if you listen to the YouTube version, you'll hear uh, an original composition by me at the end of the show. All right. Instead of G Love, because I don't want to copyright anything, copyright strike or anything like that. So there we go. We handled that stuff up front. Thank you. I remembered. You're welcome. I don't know. Where are we? We're good. We're good. We have some things to talk about today. Patrons got a bonus. That is out. So patreon.com slash the melting pack. You want to sign up for that? Give me a dollar and hear extra stuff. All right. Great. Great stuff. Today we'll talk about game demos. We'll talk about a story of a, a freezer being turned off, costing a million dollars, and how it relates to a story that I told Jill many years ago. We got some fan mail about movies and shows being removed from streaming services. We're going to get mad about teleworkers not being productive. It makes no sense to me at all. And we may talk about fireworks. We might. We might. We might talk about something else instead. But anyway, um, let's do the song first, and then we'll get to the rest of the show. Does that sound good? Does that make sense to everybody? It works for me. All right. Our dear friends, I wrote this down months ago because this song came out in March, and I was like, ooh, I got to play that. I never did because other stuff happened, and I don't know. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, also, Russell 2000 is down 2.5%. My, uh, my taskbar on my computer just showed that. I don't know why. Because I have no, I don't even know what that means. But uh, if you're interested, then you know, three days ago, Russell was down two and a half percent. So there you go. All right, is that Russell Athletics? Is that what that is? Because I, they have good shorts. Okay, I'm sorry. If we were playing a song and I got distracted. <laughs> Carboncarb dot dot C A R B O N C A R B dot bandcamp dot com. Our dear friends from New Zealand. They've been uh, they've been around a long time on this show. And I think I saw from their band camp that a new album may be coming this year. It might be. We'll have to talk to them. They've, oh, should we have them on when we have time and when we're back in the office? Not not my work office, my home office when we get the wall fixed. I hope that happens. All right. There you go. That's what we're doing. So bandcamp.com. Check them out. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. This song is, uh, well, it's their latest, I think, as, as far as the website goes. It is called Grounded. Carb on carb. It's the Melty Pat. We're coming right back. I'm driving a circle around the edges of this town. Stuck in a city I've given up on. Been in this waiting room for two years. I'm hyper Clean the wax out of my Hiding, 
And there you have it, our dear friends, Carb on Carb, with their latest Grounded, the Melting Pat, the Next Level Network. I was running out of breath, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't figure out where to stop, so that's going to be fun. I might share that early. Because I had a lot of fun with that. That was it. We improvised at the end, of course, as we do. And uh, I almost ran. I thought I was going to. I was not going to pass out. Relax. I've never. I've actually never passed out in my life. Fun fact. Um, anyway, carb on carb dot band camp. I was. Uh, I was not. I'm not going to make the joke. It's there. I'm not going to do it. Grounded is the song. Carb on carb dot band camp dot com. Thank you very much, my friends. Best of luck when the new album comes out. I can't wait to play more. I love that song. This band's great. And if we can find the time together, I'd love to have you on. If you, li- I don't know if anybody listens. I've never, I never really ask if a band. Like I've always wondered if a band will listen to the show when I play it, just play their song. And um, sometimes they do, and other times uh, they don't. They like the tweet, and that's it, and that's fine. That is all fine with me. Okay, Carb on Carb, New Zealand, great stuff. Love it. Why did I say the country they're from? Like that? I don't know. I'd, although I do want to ask. Carb on carb. How is the rivalry really between New Zealand and Australia? Because I've heard you can't say, like, don't mistake one for the other. But I need to, like, how deep does that go? So carb on carb, if you listen to the show, please let me know how deep, how much do New Zealanders and Australians just hate each other? I need to know that. Okay, can we do that? Great, great. Thank you. All right, on with the rest of the show. Speaking of things I hate, real quick. Oh, man, we got something else we're going to get mad about, like I said, later. But I hate when your goddamn neighbor shoots off fireworks in the middle of the street. I've talked about this before. I won't sit on this too long. But, of course, July 4th, everybody sets off some stuff. And uh, I, I just, I don't get it. Like, I don't have any problem with community fireworks. Like, I lived in a small town that was right on the river. And so every, on New Year's Eve, we'd go down... We'd go down to the wharf, watch the fireworks. It was really cool. And then we'd go have breakfast at the Dallas Diner, RIP. And I have fond memories of doing that on New Year's Eve. Going to see fireworks, going to have breakfast at midnight or 1230. Okay, and that was great. Community fireworks, no problem at all. Not an issue. When your goddamn neighbors shoot off fireworks in the middle of your one-way street, right on top of everybody's cars and stuff, that bothers me. Especially... When we have a park nearby where you could just go shoot them off. Nobody cleans up that soccer field. Nobody cares. I've ran, I've walked on it. I've run on it. It's a terrible soccer. It's in really bad shape. But, you know, just go pick up the things when you're done. That's all. I know it's probably a bad idea to shoot off fireworks in a soccer field. But the point is, don't shoot off fireworks on a one-way street when everybody's cars are parked there. Like, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. I hate it. I hate it. I hate your neighbors shooting off dumb fireworks and making everybody mad and really because they're coming right over the houses and I don't, it just makes me nervous and it makes me all pissed off. So there you go. Stop shooting off fireworks in the middle of the goddamn street, you Okay, we're good. We're good. Had to get that off my chest. Um, Okay, there's no real transition for this. How about a video game sound? We got one, a coin probably. I don't know. We'll, we'll think of something. Yes. I want to talk about game demos. I know I've talked about DLC on the show before. I know I have. Um, because about how, you know, back in my day, game the game would just, you'd buy the game, it would get delivered to you, you'd go pick it up at the store or whatever, and you had the game, right? This is before, like, the internet was a thing with gaming. 
And so the game was finished when it got to your house. When you started playing the game, the game was done. There, you don't have to worry about a patch. Sure, there were some bugs, so you send the game back and get a new copy. But generally speaking, the game was done. You got to play the game. You didn't have to wait for any updates or like buy, oh, this DLC where you got to spend more money to play the game better or whatever. The game was just finished. And I know that the modern gaming landscape has changed considerably since then. And sure, internet, and it makes sense, I guess, in a way. But here's my question. We're not going to dive into that part of it because we already did that. Um, Sorry, my voice sounds a little weird. I'm exhausted. The air conditioner in our bedroom died. And so we've all been camping out downstairs. And uh, yeah, sleeping's not been great for all of us here. (laughs) So I'm sorry if I sound a little off, but this is the only time I had to do the show. Okay. Um, Game demos. Pat, stay on track. So these games cost a lot of money. They do, right? And you're never sure because games are now released in an unfinished state because you can patch in updates and, you know, use internet magic and make things work better or something like that. And sure, like that's the nature of the industry at this point. And that's, I mean, I don't love it, but it is what it is. I I accept it. I understand that's how it goes. But if that's the case, if you're going to have some issues with the game, or if, like if you know you're releasing an unfinished product, which when these come out, these companies know whether or not the game is completely finished or whether you need a day one patch or update, which a lot of games do. And if that's the case, release a demo of the game because I, I'm sure I'm not the only one who doesn't want to drop 60, 70 bucks, whatever the price might be on a game that might be buggy and unfinished. And the update might not fix the problem or it might introduce a new one. And so I know I'm not the only one who doesn't want to do that and buy like a full game and kind of be stuck with it if it sucks or if I hate it. But really, aside from the money part and the the game needing fixing and all this stuff, really what I want when I want to use a demo or play a demo, I just want to make sure the game's going to be for me. Because a couple weeks ago when I streamed on Twitch, at the end of the stream, we talked about Croquet. And I'm like, there has to be a Croquet game on Steam somewhere. And there are two. There, I got them both for like $2 total. Um, so I'm not going to be mad about those if they suck. But I saw a game called Wonder Wickets, and it was like 10 bucks. But I'm like, okay, this seems fun. But am I really going to jump in and play this game often enough to justify owning it in my library? And they had a demo. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to play this demo real quick and see if I'm going to like this game. And it turns out, I didn't like it enough to play it. So I played the demo for however long I played it over a couple days. And then I was like, you know what? This is not for me. And I uninstalled it. And that was that. And I wish that every game did this. Because I I mean, I understand that if you... So there are going to be people like me who are going to play the demo and realize the game's not for them. And so you're going to lose my sale, my $10 sale. Or if it's a like a... I don't know. I don't want to say a legit game to insult the creators of the other one, but if it's like a full-size, massive, I don't know, Tomb Raider type game, right? Where or like, uh, what do the kids play? Call of Duty, right? Is that still a thing? Or um, no, what is it? Skyrim, whatever they are. I'm old. I don't play this. And so (laughs) I play Tomb Raider. That's why I thought of it. So like, if it's a big game like that, where you're selling it for sixty bucks, and you know people are gonna buy it because it's Tomb Raider, having a demo of that. I don't, where was I going with this? I don't know. I started talking about Call of Duty and I lost my train. Um, so there are going to be people like me where oh, I was going for, for a full price game 
So you're going to lose probably some $60 sales on a game if people play the demo and realize they don't like it instead of just buying the game because they think they're going to like it and then end up not liking it and missing the return window. So you make that money. So you're going to lose probably a little bit of money on that. But wouldn't you also, wouldn't that almost offset because someone who wasn't going to buy the game could play the demo and go, oh, wow, this is really fun. I think I'm going to enjoy the crap out of this. And then they buy the game. So I, I just think like that, the era of game, like you used to get them on a disc, right? In the, you know, PS2 or 3 or Xbox 360 days or whatever, you would get a demo. I remember in college um, when my buddy bought, I'm not going to use his name because I didn't ask him, even though he's been on the show. Anyway, he bought whatever year it was, 08, I guess, the, the wrestling game, the WWE game, and the demo released like a week or so before. And he was really excited because he and his friends are really into those games, which is great. Like being excited about a franchise is awesome, right? And he was really excited about the demo. So he went, he drove to GameStop. And I remember in the rain, he drove to GameStop for the demo, or maybe he was coming back from somewhere and he drove in the rain to get the actual game. But he drove to get the demo and we played it and we loved it. And we're like, yes. And he's like, great. I made a good decision to get this game. And like, you got the game demo separately and like when Tony Hawk came out a couple years ago, I there was a demo. You could play the first level with Tony Hawk, play the warehouse, and play through the game or through the first level and get used to the controls and all that. And it was really fun. Sorry, I had to stop because uh, the my software was starting to slow down and I wanted to make sure I didn't lose any of my work here. So the point of like, I was already going to buy Tony Hawk. That So it wasn't, that wasn't really, the demo didn't serve that purpose for me. It just got me more excited to play the game. But generally, if I see a game has a demo, and I'm like, oh, this like this game looks... If I'm on the fence about a game, I got one. Neon Abyss. It's a rogue light, a rogue-like dungeon crawler. Every run's different, whatever the, uh, the term is for that. So you run through a bunch of dungeons and then fight bosses and all this stuff. It's really fun. I've streamed it a bunch of times. But I got a demo of that because I'm like, oh, this looks really interesting, but do I want to buy it? And I played a demo you know, the first couple levels or whatever, you get to do a couple runs and get to like the first boss. And then that was it. And so I played that. I remember, I think I streamed it, the demo, like this looks really fun. I want to check it out. And the game was so fun. I had so much fun with the demo that I bought the game. And I play Neon Abyss almost every week. Like I play it maybe more. I play it all the time. Like just a quick run on my break while I'm waiting for the system to come back up. Or like I take my break in the morning and I'll just do a quick run, boom, run through a couple levels and then get back to work. And it's just like mindless fun. Just sit down and go boop, 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 and I'm good to go. And so that, like the, the game demo is an underrated way, I think, an under underutilized way to get people, to get eyes on your product and make people want to play the games. And so like, let's just say AW Fight Forever, right? The game came out of, uh, about a week ago, I guess. And so I'm like, oh, like I'm probably going to get it at some point. I'm thinking about it. But I feel like I could be swayed a little more if they had a demo. If a game puts out a demo, so I can at least try it out. And because I played, I got a, a Ghostbusters game for free on Epic Games a couple years ago. And I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. You get to be as a first person. You get to be a Ghostbuster. That sounds fun as hell. And I played it. And I'm glad I got it for free 
because the control scheme, which I couldn't figure out how to change, was horrendous. I hated it. Like I, they, it made the game unplayable for me because the controls were so bad, and I couldn't figure out how to change them. And I was just like, "This sucks. I'm never playing this again." And I feel like I, I don't want to run into run into a problem like that with a game I actually want to play, right? Like I think AEW Fight Forever is going to be fun, and I've heard people who played it and they have fun with it. Like a simple arcade wrestling, it sounds like fun. But I don't want to get into a spot where the controls are so janky that I can barely play the game. And so I think like that, things like that, where I have a little bit of trepidation about a game, for whatever reason, the levels are going to suck. The, I don't care about graphics that much. I grew up on NES. It does graphic or an N64. Graphics don't matter that much to me. I need the game to play easily. I need to be able to pick it up and go, okay, here's how I do this, boop, boop, boop. And then we can go have some fun. Like that's what I need in a game, especially in a wrestling game. That's what I need, right? And so I don't want to take a risk of like, oh, what if this game actually sucks? Like what if there's not much to this game and I just paid a bunch of money for a game I might play three times? I don't think that's the case for Fight Forever, which is why I'm probably going to get it anyway. But I just feel like the age of the game demo being over is so upsetting because it. I think it really can help get more people interested in your game. Like, sure, you're going to have people, again, like me with Wonder Wickets, where I'm going to play the demo and not want the game. Like, sure. But I think the chances of, like, if you have, like, a main, a big major title that has a following or whatever, I think the chances of you getting more people to buy your game after showing, after them playing a decent demo, I think it's higher that they gravitate toward buying the game then they turn it off entirely. Unless the game just wasn't going to be for them initially and the demo confirmed that. But I truly think that having a demo for a game, for your game, so game developers out there, make demos for your games. Do I know anybody who's in the business, by the way, not to like get me anything for free, although that'd be great. I can stream it on Twitch and we can promote it on the show. But that <laughs> we don't need to do that. If you want, that's great. But if you make games, I have a question. How difficult is it to release a demo? Because like you have the game, you're making the game, right? So is it easy enough to kind of like copy and paste your files and the code to a smaller thing? I almost said like smaller disk, but I guess if you play your games digitally like I do, because I don't have a disk drive, um, is it easy enough to slide all of that code into a thing where you can say, Hey, here's the demo. Like, here's all the things. Is that easy? Am I? I don't know. I'm probably missing a big piece of the puzzle here. But uh, let me know. Game developers. Number one, two questions. Number one, why did you stop releasing demos? And number two, you should release more demos. No. Uh, how hard is it to make a demo for a game? Let me know that because I think game demos are the way. I think it's great. We should do this. More people should be able to try before they buy. Let me know. Does this make sense? Have you heard any of this? Have I lost any of my work? I don't know. But we need more game demos again, God damn it, because we need to be able to try the games before we spend 60 bucks on them. Right? Right. All right. We got a thing. I got to make sure this is all working. And I'm going to tell you a story about a freezer being turned off that cost a million dollars and how I can relate it to myself. Okay, does that sound like fun? Fantastic. We'll be right back. Alrighty, we called an audible actually. 
I'm going to do the freezer thing at the end because it's kind of funny. And I want to end on something kind of, uh, I don't want to say lighthearted because they lost a million dollars in 20 years worth of work, but it's more fun than me complaining about people not being productive and TV shows being removed. So we're going to flip things around. The freezer thing will be at the end. We'll do other stuff now. Okay. So let's get mad, shall we? We shall. I, oh my God, I can't, I've been trying to figure out how to put this into words because without, again, without giving away what I do, because I don't want to do that because I'm trying to be more general because I don't want to give away what I do for work because that's just not what I want to do. It's my show and I'd rather not be, uh, be super specific about what I do. Okay. So I have a problem at work and I'm not saying like my role right now at work is I kind of do things. I'm, I'm kind of the backup guy. Like I pick up things on the back end and I handle them for other people. And then you know, that's just how it is. All right. I don't love it, but I've been doing it since November and I'm used to it. And um, it's just, it's fine. It's fine. So that means that I get to see everybody's work and I can see who is doing what, well, not who's doing what, but I can see who's doing their stuff and who is not based on the amount of work that I have to do in their stead. So I'm realizing that, hey, a lot of people kind of aren't doing stuff. And I'm trying to figure out, because I see all these dumb think pieces like, oh, remote work is making people lazy or making people blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting here going, okay, but I'm more productive than I've ever been at my job since I started working at home. And I have more distractions than ever. Like I have my computer here. I'm doing the show, right? I do the show on down periods at work during the day. Like that's how I've done the show for three years since I've been at home. And now we got the kid. That's a distraction when I got to go up and handle things or take care of things for there. And like things with the house that I got to get up and take care of. And, you know, just random things throughout the day where I'm distracted from my job, but I'm still getting all of my work done. Like I've never really had a, Hey, you have to get this done. Why isn't this done? Because it's already been done. Like whatever you're sending me, whatever kind of report or email, or whatever that you're sending my way, there is a 90 8% chance that by the time you've sent that email or by the time I've seen that email, the work has been done already because that's just what I do. I get work here. It gets sent to me or I see it on whatever. And I just do it because I just, I, I do it. What I used to do in my old role, when I would have my list of stuff to do, I'd handle my list in the morning. And then, you know, aside from checking things that would come in later, the afternoon would be mine for months, years, because I did my list of stuff that I was assigned and it's all done. All like all the urgent things have been done. And now the afternoon is for me to do the show, play a game, do laundry, go up and have a snack with the boy and the missus. And, you know, just check periodically when things are coming in. And like, that's how I handled my day all the time. Like I just, I handled all my business and then I did other stuff that I wanted to do. And I just can't figure out what is the problem what the problem is, Chief, that's a national security. Uh, Martin Lawrence, Steve Zahn. Very funny movie. I like it. It's dumb, but it made me laugh. Um, anyway, I just don't know what the issue is where teleworkers are not getting their stuff done. Like, are you working from bed and you're falling asleep? All right, well, get a chair, get a little table, get buy a desk, figure it out. Like, you're not being paid to sit around and do nothing like I do, even though, you know, anyway. Um the important thing is like the work is the work. And, and really, well, I'm not mad. Like, okay, I'm a little mad that I have to do people's work that should have been done weeks ago. I am mad about that. 
because it should have been done. And there's no real reason why you can't do it unless you don't know how to manage your time. And maybe then you have to be the one who goes into the office and works every day, commutes and works in the office every day, because you by yourself cannot be trusted to manage your time. And maybe like I, I'm not, I've never advocated for that because I've held for a long time. If your job can be done remotely, you should be allowed and able to work remotely. And I, I will, I'm hundred percent in on that. If you can be, if you can work remotely, your job should be done remotely. You should not have to go to an office just to, you know, punch numbers into a computer all day. Like I do kind of, you should not have to go to an office to do that. Cause all you need is a computer, an internet connection and a headset for your phone, right? All of which I have at my house. And so there's no reason, there's no practical reason why you should have to do this work in an office or most work in an actual office building. However, comma, if you cannot figure out how to get your work done throughout the day, then maybe that is for you. Like I don't need somebody watching over me. In fact, I hate working that way when somebody's trying to watch over me and micromanage and like, oh, did you do this? Did you do this? Just send me a list. I'll handle it. Something else comes up through the day. Send it over. I'll do it. And then leave me alone. Let me know if I screwed up and need to fix something. Let me know if there's a meeting. Let me know if there's an emergency, somebody left or whatever, and I got to handle it. That's fine. But generally, give me my work and leave me alone. That's all I need. That's really it. I don't understand what the problem is. And again, I want to be clear. In no way am I advocating that anybody should go back to the office in general. Because again, like if your job can be done somewhere else, you should do it somewhere else. But if you're not doing your job, then what is going to happen in probably in most companies is that management will say, hey, these people working from home, not specifically, but these all of them working from home, the productivity is down. So we got to bring everybody back in. Yeah. See, I'm so flummoxed. I can't even say the word everybody. I just, we got to bring them all back in. Like that's going to be the consensus. That's going to be the, the ruling because they're not going to look at Oh, Pat's getting his work done. He could stay home. Or the other people, the other people are getting their work done. They could stay home. But these these people over here not getting their stuff done, they're not going to do that because they're just going to say, "Hey, teleworking people aren't getting their work done." Whether or not it's everyone, whether it's two or three, and the other seven of us are getting our stuff done, it's going to come down on all of us. And I just no. Well, first of all, I'm going to be very angry if that happens because I've been more productive and less stressed, and I've saved a lot of money by not going to the office. Because going to the office was hell for me. It was awful, because where, where I was, the location in the city, and the people around me, aside from the people in my little quad, were the f worst, generally. The people in my nearest vicinity. How about, how about that? And I got into some spats with people, because, well, people were rude, and it was bad. Okay, anyway, the point is, I don't understand why you can't get your work done while you're working from home. Because I, again, have more distractions than ever, this show, chief among them. And I still manage to get every single thing done in a timely manner. And I don't understand where the disconnect is because you're, oh, I don't know. Nobody's like standing over me, watching me and making sure I do my stuff. That means I don't have to do it. That's not how it works, buddy. You got to get your stuff done. And if not, then maybe you should go back to the office or maybe you should find a different job or maybe 
you know, you need somebody over there to kind of put, do I have to call you and say, Hey, did you do this today? Did you look at that today? Do I have to do that? I don't want to, cause I don't want to be that guy. But what happens is your work falls on me. And then we all get reamed out cause the stuff's not done. But when it's a few people not doing the stuff, I need to figure out what's going on because, you know, sure you have kids or nieces or nephews, or you got whatever you have going on at your house. I'm not saying that that's not valid, but if you can't do the work, then you got to change the situation, whether that's going to the office or what, I don't know. But if you're not getting it done, something's got to change because really it's affecting me personally. That's the one. That's the first thing. And the second thing is it's going to affect all of us because they're not going to let us telework anymore because there are people who are teleworking who aren't getting their work done and managers are going to look at that and go, oh, well, teleworkers aren't getting their work done. We should stop doing that. When the reality is it's a few people who are ruining it for the rest of us. So get to work. you. All right. I told you I was going to get mad. Told you I'm pissed off because I've been doing other people's work for months and I see who's not doing their stuff and it comes back on me and it reflects poorly on the rest of us. And that bothers me because again, I have had more distractions than ever working from home, especially in the last nine, eight months or so. And I've still managed to get every single assignment done on time. I've never had a problem, but somehow people can't get the work done. And now it's going to look bad for the rest of us. And it just really bothers me that there's nothing being done except, oh, well, yes, this should happen. Or, oh, maybe we need to do this. Maybe we need to have a meeting. Yeah, it's great. Have a meeting. Or maybe, just maybe, have some consequences for the people who aren't doing their work. How about that? Let's let's work on that. Let's work on how we're going to reprimand these people who are literally being paid to not do their jobs. So somebody work on that for me and um and we'll go from there. But I swear to Christ, I swear to baby Jesus, if your ineptitude, your inability to get your work done means I have to go community again, Pat is going to be pissed off. So not that any of you will listen to this, but I'm just saying in general, for all of you teleworking and you're getting screwed by people not doing work, I hear you and I'll be pissed off right with you. All right, there we go. It feels like a wrestling promo. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. Things are slowing down. I got to figure out what's going on. We'll be right back. Hey, we're back. I think I fixed the problem. Some nerd stuff. I had to, it's about sample rates and the mixer and my PC and all that. I think I fixed it. I think so. I hope so. Otherwise, I don't know. I'll have a bunch of five-minute recordings I got to edit, so <laughs> which will actually be a little easier. All right. Um, we're going to talk about... Sorry, I had to take a little break, too. I had to get some work done, then go to lunch there with the missus and the boy. We didn't go anywhere. I went upstairs. Um, they did. He got his first haircut today, and uh, I got to tell you, he looks like a different kid. It's a little crazy. A little crazy what some clippers will do. I need to get mine done soon, probably. I don't know. Who wants to come over? Watch the kid so I can cut my hair. All right. No? Great. Great. So we got a piece of fan mail. <laughs> Sometimes I like to, uh, as you know, save these for one episode. And I might actually need one. But no, we're doing the TV thing. So we're going to do those. Try to get those um, recorded soon. Damn. All right. Anyway. Um, yeah. TV pilots that you want me to talk about. Send us some more. I'll, I'll We'll figure it out. So we got a piece of fan mail the other day. And uh, thank you to whoever sent this in. They wrote Jimmy from Mayfair. So I appreciate that. You listen to the show. Uh, Pat, I want to know what's your take 
on movies and TV shows being removed from their streaming services? Well, James from Mayfair, thank you for the question. I appreciate it. Um, Anybody else want to ask, TheMeltingPat.com, the contact form, once again, is the absolute best way to get in touch with me for the show. Okay, uh, how do I feel about this? In general, it's terrible. It's awful. Because here's, gen- here's really what happens, is the, the studio will make a show, and they'll put it out, or you know, often they'll make a show or a movie, like, like um, what, Batgirl, Batwoman, whatever it was, a couple years ago, where they made it, it was done. And then they didn't release it because they could get some kind of a tax write-off by saying, hey, we made, we spent this much on this movie, but we're expecting to lose or only make this much money. So we're expected to lose this much money. And so they can write off the amount that they spent on their taxes and not have to worry about it. I think that's how it works with a multi-billion dollar studio, right? They'll do that. So now what will happen now with TV shows with like Netflix and stuff is they will make a show and put it out for a season. Or make a movie and put it out. Like I just saw on Disney Plus, um, what's the movie? Crater. It came out in May. And as of today, or as of like three days ago, beginning of July, it is now off Disney Plus completely. So I what they'll do, they'll make it, they'll put it out, and then whatever they do, because now everything's run by, controlled basically by an algorithm, right? So it's, you know, if enough people don't click on the thing or look at the thing, then their computer program thing will tell them, Hey, this isn't doing what we needed to do. We're gonna do. We're gonna lose money. Whatever the case might be. So they'll look at that and go, "Oh well, the number cruncher guy or whoever said that this isn't gonna work." So they'll do that. They'll take it off the service. Now I'm I'm unclear as to how exactly leaving a movie on us. Like I'm not saying if it's a like if it's a James Bond movie or whatever. Like you have to pay whoever made the James Bond movies, whatever studio made those. Like Netflix has to pay that studio to host the movies on their server. So it makes sense that like, hey, every couple months, you know, James Bond is leaving Netflix and then two months later, it'll come back. And I'm guessing that has to do with licensing rights with the studios and all that. Okay, so that's short. Well, it's weird, but whatever. At least you could still watch those movies somewhere, right? But now what Netflix and Disney and whoever will do is they'll make a show they'll decide, hey, this isn't going to work out. It's not going to make us enough money or like move the needle enough for us to keep it here. So they'll just get rid of it entirely. So you make a show, you have people watch the show, maybe they enjoy the show for a season, and go, oh man, I like this show, and then it gets canceled. That happens all the time, right? They'll cancel the show, be like, hey, we're not going to make more of this show. Ah, damn it, that sucks. Okay, so that's bad, number one. And then what they'll do is they'll just remove it entirely. And so now you don't have to pay the residuals. We talked about it, in, or maybe this is in a newsletter, uh, with HBO Max becoming just Max, and now it's a streaming service, not a network. Now they don't have to pay the residuals. And so if you can't stream the thing, nobody can watch the show. Then the studio does not have to pay those actors and those writers and those whoever, those residuals, whatever the percentage would be from people streaming the show, now does not have to be paid because no one can stream the show on a service. And I know it's about money. It's cost cutting. They all say it. Oh, it's a cost cutting measure. But honestly, what it like, there's a reason the writers went on strike. And there's a reason that actors may also go on strike in solidarity because, or maybe they already said, they, I think, I think SAG agreed to strike. I don't know if they actually went on strike, but I think they, they authorized the vote. Maybe it was something like that. Somebody let me know. Charlie, what happened? Um, and so I just, 
I get it's about money. I understand that they're they're taking off the show so that or they're taking off the service so that they don't have to pay the people and they don't have to worry about the I don't know, it's probably pennies on the dollar to host it on their server. So it's not like me with a, you know, my hard drive is going to be full. I don't think Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus, I don't think they have those kind of storage problems. At least they shouldn't. They make billions of dollars every year or whatever it is. They shouldn't have problems with a like a bad hard drive or whatever or bad cloud storage, however they do it, right? They shouldn't have that problem. And so I, from what I understand, this is all about not paying the people who made the show enough money for making the show. So the studio takes their cut, and then they won't pay the actors and the writers and the who are the crew, the whoever would get residuals from that show, from everybody streaming that show. Now no one will get that, and also the show is just gone. So this show that people spent years working on and people enjoyed watching and all this other stuff, all this money went into it and all this stuff, it's just gone forever. Nobody can watch it. Nobody can talk about it. Like there's no, they are killing the idea of a cult classic. Like a show that, that wasn't really, or a movie that wasn't really popular on release. Let's say Office Space, right? So Office Space, they've said this at like the anniversary reunions. Like, yeah, when we put this movie out the first time in 98, nobody came. Nobody wanted to see it. And then all of a sudden, through DVDs, DVD sales and streaming and all these things, and now everybody loves the movie, it's a, it's a hit, right? Well after the fact of it being in theaters. Now it's on TV all the time and all that. But if you don't have access, if no one has access to the show or the movie, there's no way we're going to have another cult hit on our hands. There's no way that something can be discovered because it's being erased. And I've said this before is that if a studio decides we're going to take this movie off the service, we're not going to let you stream it anymore, that movie or show or special, whatever it is, you should then be allowed to watch it for free on YouTube. Like there's no way that for me that a studio who has already given up on making money from that show, from the streams on that show or whatever, however they do it, the studio in my mind has given up their, their rights to make money from the show. And so people should be allowed to watch it for free because these things need deserve to be watched. They deserve to be seen. People worked on them, worked hard on them for a long time. And they deserve, even if I don't like it, like I, I talked about this when uh, when Charlie Saxton was on the first time and we talked about Amazon pilot season, which I don't even know if it's, is a thing anymore because now what they do is order a season and then in, a, in four days, if it doesn't do well, they erase it completely, which is... But anyway, he and I talked about this how even if we don't like the show, we'd still like it to get more airtime. And we want people to see it because people work hard, especially coming from him. People work hard on the shows, the writers, the crew, the actors, the whoever. They all work hard on to make those shows and movies. And the fact that people now can't see them or like they can watch it for a week or two and then it's just gone or a month and then it's gone is unfair to everybody involved in that show, the fans included. And so how do I feel about streaming services just deleting shows altogether even the original shows they're not worried about oh we had to pay this person we don't want to pay this person their licensing fees anymore they don't have to do that they made it netflix and disney and hulu and whoever they made these shows they're not they don't want to pay themselves that's how that argument goes a little bit right but no they don't want to pay the people who made it because they're a bunch of greedy and uh it really bothers me that this is the thing. I, I don't like the new... Because the streaming was supposed to be an alternative to cable. Like, hey, don't pay your cable anymore. Do us, do us with streaming and, and make this happen with us and we'll have all your favorite shows and movies. You'll be able to watch them whenever you want. Great. 
except when you delete the shows I want to watch because you don't feel like paying the writers or actors anymore. And so they, they have now become, well, what's the, what's the quote from whatever it is? Die a hero, live long enough to become the villain, right? That's what these streaming services are. They're the villains now. Because now it's like, hey, we're an alternative to cable. And now, oh, nope, that show's gone. Sorry, bye. Sorry, not sorry. And it's, it's ridiculous. So to answer your question, I hate it. It's a terrible practice for everyone in entertainment, whether you work on shows or just watch them like me. Um, it's terrible because we need to be able to find things. We need to be able to go back and say, hey, what's this show that came out in 2018 or whatever? Oh, I've never heard of this. Let's go check this out. And then you get to watch it all and, and enjoy it and find an appreciation. And now you find out that, hey, there's a whole community of fans of this show who wanted to come back or just want to talk about it. And that's great. And if those shows no longer exist, you have now taken away a big part of community on the internet. So now it's a bunch of stupid uh, memes and uh, unbelievably dumb political things from your uncle on Facebook. And now it's kind of, you know, that's what the internet is. And now you have to kind of dig for, even though Reddit, Reddit's going downhill now. You don't even have a lot of those communities because they're something, something, money. I don't know how it works. But from what I understand, Reddit has been uh, has been declining in quality. And I think these communities, we need places to go. I said it uh, a couple weeks ago, kids need places to go online. I think everyone needs places to go online to talk about these random shows and movies that nobody's really heard of, except these people on the internet who found it. And now you're taking away a source of camaraderie. Camaraderie? Is that how you say that? I've only ever seen it written. I don't know. Um, that's not true. I've heard that word. I just can't talk. <laughs> so I, I just, it just, it bothers me. I just hit the microphone with my chin. Sorry. It just, it bothers me. It bugs me because People worked hard on these shows, and we deserve to see the fruits of their labor, and they deserve to be paid for those labors. And deleting the shows means we don't see it, and they don't get paid for it, and all of that is So there you go. Long-winded answer to uh, to Jimmy from Mayfair. How do I feel about streaming services? Deleting shows? I hate it, and it's stupid. It's terrible. All right. I hope that answered your question, James. I appreciate you asking once again. And uh, TheMeltingPat.com, the contact page, is the best way to get your question, your comment, your suggestion, your criticism, your whatever the case might be. That's the best way to do it because I get notified twice. All right? Okay, one more break, I think, and then we're going to talk about a little story that Jill told me the other day, and uh, I'll relate it to myself. So we'll do that. We'll wrap the show when we come back. Not sure what happened there with my mouth sounds, but we are uh, we're <laughs> one more thing for you today. Jill told me about this recently, and I wanted to end on it. I thought about putting this in the middle of the show. But then we end on a on a pat peeve, and I'd rather not do that if we don't have to. So she told me about this, how a college in New York, a research lab, something or other, was a freezer in a research lab was turned off, and it destroyed 20 years worth of research and I think about a million dollars worth of work. So what happened was, what had happened was, a janitor was in there cleaning, and he heard what he said were annoying alarms. And so he went, and uh, I did say, I did read that the school or the researchers, whoever, had put a sign up near the freezer that says, hey, this is beeping because the temperature is changing. Don't worry about it. We're gonna, we can come fix it. It's not a problem. Just call us if it's, if it's really going off. Call us, and we'll fix it. Something like that, right? So they clearly explained what was going on with the freezer. It had some cell cultures, whatever they're called, in there, and... Uh, Basically like, hey, don't touch this stuff. So this janitor, he he was annoyed by the alarms, and so I guess he thought he was being helpful or just wanted to shut them off to so he wasn't annoyed. So he went and he flipped the circuits, 
And the temperature of the freezer changed so drastically that it destroyed, it ruined everything in there. And so the school is suing, but they're not suing the janitor. They're suing, he was a contractor for the for a cleaning company. So they're suing the company for like a million dollars for lost stuff and damages and all this. And I read they're, they're saying it's, it wasn't the fault of the janitor. It was that he was not trained to not mess with other people's stuff. And I thought, well, okay, that's, I guess, I guess going after, legally, going after the company is more fruitful than going after just some guy. Even though, like, how much training do you really need to know not to touch something that's not yours? I don't understand. Like, isn't this first grade stuff? Like, that's not yours. Don't touch it. If you think something's wrong, tell someone else, and they'll figure it out. Like, I feel, I feel like that's a very basic human thing to know, right? No, maybe, I guess not for this guy. So they're not suing that guy. Then the, the lawyers are like, no, this is human error. That guy's an idiot. We should get that guy. So I don't know what happened with that guy. But Jill told me this the other day, and she said she thought of a time when we were in college, when I was in college, uh, doing WDSR. So at the time, the college radio station, off and on it would play on the speakers that were right outside the studio. So anybody walking by could hear what's going on with the radio, if it's music or a show or whatever. So the whole idea is for radio, you'd like people to be able to hear it, right? So we had these speakers and what happened was, so we got there, we had to replace the, like they worked and then for a while they didn't work. I don't know what happened. So we figured it out. They sent a guy in who was a former student who became an engineer. So they had to replace the mixer with a crappier one and it was, wasn't great. But anyway, it worked. And so what they had to do, for some reason, what the guy did was hooked up the the whole channel was for because it used to be the radio, like what was going out over on the radio, on the air, over the internet, was on one channel, a dedicated channel for just that, for like the streaming. And then another channel was for the speakers right outside the studio. And so for somehow in between switching mixers, that changed. And so now one channel was going over the stream and the speakers in the outside the studio, which was right by the cafeteria, right in the middle of the, you know, little hallway by the bookstore. So you would hear so so in order for the station to be playing over the air, you had to also hear the speakers in the uh in that little lounge by the cafeteria. And so what would happen is we would come in or like one time I got a text because my sister always liked to listen to the station because we switched it to 90s music. And so she would put it on. And I remember one day she, I got a text. She's like, hey, the station's not on. Do you know what's going on? And I'm like, huh, that's weird. So I get over there. And I, so I told Tim, because I figured maybe he'll get there before me. So I told Tim and I said, hey, Bridget says the station's not on. Is anybody over there? Can we figure it out? So we go over there. And oh, by the way, at this time, there was no radio professor at, at school in this semester. So literally running the station was Tim and I, were Tim and I, that was it. Because there was no, like, the, I mean, the faculty advisor was there, like the TV film guy, but for all intents and purposes, he was useless to us. So that's not a slight, I just mean he didn't know how to help us. So, she, <laughs> so we get in there and the speakers are off and we're looking at the computer and the station is just, it's off. So we're looking at the board like, oh, the board was turned down. I wonder why that happened. So we turn it back up. Okay, now the speakers are playing, radio's playing, we do our show, whatever, great. 
So we come back in the next day and it's down again. And we're like, okay, it's like someone is doing this somehow. So also a weird thing about the speakers is there was no control. Like since they were switched from the board to wherever, wherever you had to climb up on the little, like there's a little lip, little ledge outside the studio, little counter ledge. You had to climb up there and manually turn them up and down if you wanted to do that. Or they were connected to the station. So that was a problem. And so we get there, and, and like this happened several days in a row where the station would just be off because someone had gone into the studio and turned it down, just turned the board down. So we left a note like, hey, please don't do this. We're trying to get sponsors. We need to be on the air. Like You need to stop turning it down. And they ignored that. They threw it away. Whoever's doing it threw it away. So then I was talking to one of the maintenance guys because he walked by a guy we had become friendly with because we would just talk to him. We would see him around and, and say hi or whatever. So we're going there, we're think we're talking about it, and the guy comes in or he comes by and he's like, Yeah, what's going on? We're like, Yeah, somebody's turning down the station, which is basically like they're turning it down to turn off the outside speakers. But what they're doing is they're turning it off entirely. So nothing's going on over the air. And he's like he's like, Oh yeah, that's the night janitors coming in because they like to sleep in the lounge during their shift and or during their breaks or whatever, and they don't want to be disturbed by the music and stuff from the speakers. So these guys want to take naps while they're supposed to be working. And they have to, to do that, they have to turn down our radio station and ignore us when we say, hey, please don't do this. And so eventually we did get it fixed where we had to, somebody routed the thing back. Or, or I guess what we did was we just turned off the speakers. Like Tim climbed up and turned down the speakers because we were like, well, if the, if the options are have it play on the speakers, but then it's completely off for like, seven hours a day or turn the speakers off and have it running over the air where people over the internet where people are going to listen anyway we'll just take that so tim climbed up and he turned him down and we're like yeah forget those guys and like it was nice for that guy to tell us that but also like what are you doing like that's not you like the same they like it's not yours so don't touch it and you don't know and i'm not saying i'm not equating turning down our internet radio station with turning off a freezer and destroying research. I'm not, that's not what I'm doing here. What I'm saying is I don't understand why people just can't leave things alone that aren't theirs. Like I dealt with it. I'm not going to go into the neighbor thing, but if you've listened to the show for a long time, you get it. But if it's not yours, leave it alone. Like you shouldn't need to be trained to not turn off a freezer just because it's beeping or to not turn off a radio station because you want to take a nap. Or like the Seinfeld, you need a code to not wear other people's clothes? Like, you shouldn't need all these regulations to be a decent person. I just, I don't get it. And um, yeah, I think that janitor is a moron who turned off the thing. I think uh, he's like, oh, this alarm's going off. I'm tired of that. And so he just went and flipped the circuit on and off, flipped the breaker, and uh, unwittingly killed a bunch of research. Which is, which, like... That's his fault. I feel like, yes, like legally suing the company is the better play because you're going to get more mileage out of that than just suing a guy. So I can't imagine he's making a ton of money as a a janitor at a college. So going after the company who contracted him is the better play, legally speaking, I would think. But I, I just, I guess the moral of both stories and how they're connected is if it's not yours, don't touch it. And if it's bothering you, figure out who to talk to to make it not bother you so much. Don't just go into your own thing and go, oh, we're going to do this 
and then you know you end up ruining things for other people and if, even for us it was a mild inconvenience but like you cost the school a million dollars like two decades worth of research gone in 12 seconds because some guy went huh what's that noise Arr! and then just shut like a caveman Arr! i'm surprised he didn't smash it with a hammer maybe he tried i don't know but it just bothers me that the uh the through line of this is don't touch stuff that's not yours that's all and yeah how did i equate a research lab story to me well because that's what i do all right we're gonna <laughs> we went a long way with that one so we will uh we'll play the pooper we'll be right back after this all right i swear i did this yesterday i promise i did but it's gone so we have to do this again if it sounds a little uh disjointed it's because today's now friday because i screwed it up because i'm a dope anyway that's our show <laughs> that is our show not the first time i've done something like this but we are all good to go thank you so much for being here my thanks to carb on carb for their song go get grounded carb on carb.bandcamp.com new album i think is coming soon maybe did i read that wrong I don't know. I'll figure it out later, but that'll all be in the show notes. You want to get in touch with me, themeltingpat.com is the best way to do that. And we are all, uh, we're good. All right. This has been an 8 Boiling production. Yeah, I, I said a bunch of other stuff, but I, it's fine. G-Love and Special Sauce with Cold Beverage. They're going to play us out as they always do. Philadelphonic.com for more from them. Uh, unless you listen on YouTube, then you get an original thing by me. All right? We're good. We are good to go. I got to go get some stuff done, and now we got to splice this together. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Thank you for being here. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. Enjoy the Derby. Enjoy the All-Star Game. Enjoy whatever you have going on, and next week we'll come back with some stuff and things. Uh, like I said, any questions, comments, suggestions, let me know, and I will do my best. But for now, that is all for today. Thank you so much. Till next time, have fun. Be safe. Thank a veteran. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Get vaccinated and boosted when you can. And of course, don't do anything I wouldn't do. That is all. We are good to go. I love you. Thank you very much. You've been inside the Melting Pat on the Next Level Network. Go crap open a cold one. Yo, could I get a cold beverage? I need some leverage. A sweaty ass as a lemonade would be nice. Of a fight from the top to a big Got a bar crop of swing bar cross. Got the bait on the front board. See, I got some ice If you like a taste of tea, then come along with me. Summertime is steaming. Don't give me no bugs. Glass some ice and a dash of a Please fix me a large slice. Summertime is cool, the heat is getting old. Yeah, I have a beverage drink, so it's cold. Cold, 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 cold. He sent me from the bar. Yeah, I like cold beverage. Yeah, I like cold beverage. Yeah, I like cold beverage. Yeah, uh, cause I'm feeling kind of boy. Stick it in the fridge, 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 stick it in the fridge. And a friend. Go, girl, work the cold one. Go, girl, work the cold one. What? Go, girl, work the cold one. 
go girl, work the cold one Yo, when I'm visiting, let's keep one thing clear The bait's over there, the brew's right here Two six packs in a big bag of ice to And even get a bite, but the brew tastes a nice back to the ball So every decoration of colada Need a whole lot of them food drinks to catch me up But I must tell you, I'm the Kool-Aid kid When you serve my drink, please stick it in the fridge Cause I like cool beverage, yeah. I like cool beverage, yeah. I like cool beverage, yeah. Uh-huh, I'm kinda thirsty, yeah. I like cool beverage, yeah.